Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, one of our favorite shows of the year is here, the first day of free agency, and it seems like more and more happens sooner and sooner these days. Almost makes you think that these things are getting negotiated a little bit ahead of time. But how, how dare you? How dare you even <laughs> insinuate something like that could happen? It's not like it's possible that one minute into free agency, the very first thing that was reported was a sign-in trade that involved negotiations between two teams and two players that weren't under contract. Yeah, that was amazing that the Lonzo sign-in trade was the first thing. The I'm sorry, the Lonzo double sign-in trade, including Garrett Temple, was the first thing that got reported. But another thing that clearly was in the works for uh, quite some time was what the Miami Heat did and they have brought in one Kyle Lowry while staying over the cap a, a move that was augured by their exercising the team option on Goran Dragic over the weekend yeah and that was it was an interesting series of decisions for Pat Riley and presumably heavily in, in, involved um, Andy Ellsberg their cap guru and what Miami ended up choosing to do and I think this made complete sense was using Goran Dragic as salary ballast to structure the Kyle Lowry signing as a as a sign in trade Lowry getting a reported three years, approximately $90 million. I think it's going to be a little bit less than that, just depending on that, the matching of salary and everything. I think there's some, there's some unsolved things here, but also because the hard cap actually becomes a very real concern for the Miami Heat. We should start there with Lowry. I mean, three-year deal, no options, going to play in Miami and join this intriguing core, but he's not going alone. But let's stay with, with what Lowry means to the Heat and what not Lowry means to a lot of these other contenders that really wanted him. Yeah, that's it. Exactly right. So, I mean, this is a big contract for an old player. And maybe there's some evidence that players are able to continue to perform at an older age than they used to. Also, Lowry, you know, he did fall off some last year, but they also had this crazy year with Tampa and coronavirus. And so if you're someone who's interested in Lowry, it's easy to talk yourself out of any potential decline. And also you can point to the fact that he really has held his value exceedingly well. I mean, you remember back in the summer of 2017, he basically got this exact same contract when he was four years younger in part and couldn't get a fourth year because teams were worried about his age at that point in time and now of course he has the championship brand from 2019 as well and also this is a different year where amazingly there were more good teams with cap space and he was the best player probably that's going to change teams during this free agent period and the pj tucker situation they got him as well for the mid-level in a pretty good bit of maneuvering and they also extended Jimmy Butler on a massive extension, which is something else that we'll need to talk about. So, you know, this 
is a this is a contract we talked about this with Lowry and why we weren't as into this for say the New Orleans Pelicans this is a contract that you give out when you believe that adding this piece even though it could get ugly towards the end and even though there's a big opportunity cost you believe that adding this piece makes you a very solid championship contender does adding Kyle Lowry and PJ Tucker and re-signing Duncan Robinson does that make the Miami Heat a championship contender in 21-22 I think it makes them tier two not tier one I mean my concerns about Miami's offense are toned down but still present I mean they they still who generating good looks they're going to be relying the the lineups are going to have you know they'll have some shooters we'll talk about Duncan Robinson in a second but kind of squaring everything up they are more they they have some intriguing defensive versatility now they have they have some guys they can you know they can defend a bunch of a bunch of different matchup problems but we don't know exactly how the Nets are going to fill out the roster but I don't think of them as the same caliber as the as the absolute best the best do you agree well it still goes back to what they were in that bubble in 1920 certainly when they signed Jimmy Butler I was like you know where are they really going with him well Butler played better than I expected him to and certainly played better than I expected him to in the playoffs and then he also played better than I expected him to in the regular season in 2021 and so then of course he had a massive disappointment in the playoffs if you believe that this Miami team without Lowry had an upside similar to what that 1920 team did then yes your your answer is they've got a puncher's chance and I mean hey we also saw this last these last playoffs I would argue that the Phoenix Suns never beat a team that is as good as this Miami team projects to be and made it all the way to the finals that's an aberration but I, I and obviously there can be injury issues issues with this Miami team and age and regression issues but we again have to remember how everything that had to go crazy right for the Miami Heat in 1920 they also had some injury luck as well that they would have beat the Bucks anyway even had Giannis not gotten hurt and so and maybe if uh they hadn't had their own injury issues in in the finals they could have given the lakers a competitive series i think that would have been a pretty competitive series the way they were playing but man i mean is kyle lowry gonna give you as much as goran dragic did that year as tyler hero is he uh still actually good you know they're gonna need something from him robinson got attacked pretty badly and so certainly if you if your conception of the miami heat is the 2020 nba finalists then you get it right if your conception of the miami heat is just got swept by the bucks in the first round and unceremoniously so a bucks team that should have lost pretty easily to a full strength brooklyn team although it did of course win the championship eventually then no i don't think this makes you a contender on the other hand there's the hey what else were they supposed to do which i i certainly get that you know i don't there was no other player that was going to make them good this year and jimmy butler you know, he uh, was waiting to be extended and this is kind of the clock ticking on what I would say maybe you would expect to be the last year of him as an All-NBA type of player. Although maybe the Heat don't feel that way because of this uh, extension, which was uh, rather massive. Yeah, I mean, well, we all one of the other important pieces of information that we received on August 2nd was a revised and higher salary cap estimate for the 22-23 season. And that is what is relevant for Jimmy Butler. And so it theoretically it moved up to 119 million. And so that changes, yeah, you know, that, projected. Being, that being the cap estimate for yes. uh, 22-23. Yes, the cap estimate for 22-23. And so with Butler, roughly, you know, the maximum allowable extension, we don't know that he 
release, you know, we don't know all the f- full stuff on it yet, partially because it can't be signed for another few days and partially just because I think we're still kind of waiting on that. But let's call it four years, 186 million. You know, what's yeah. a few million between friends? How, how old and, is he going to be when that starts, by the way? So when he plays his first game on that contract, Jimmy Butler will have just turned 33. So it's your age 33, 34, 35, and 36 seasons. And in the last year of that deal, Jimmy Butler will be making $51.6 million, we project. And remember, the reason that this happened, and and Hollinger and I did a whole episode on this, was that he signed a 3 plus 1. After two years, you are eligible to extend even a three-year contract. So he's eligible for that extension. I would also imagine that with he and Lowry being good buddies, part of Lowry wanting to come here was knowing that Jimmy Butler would be under contract for the entire time. Jimmy Butler had a lot of leverage. Pat Riley is in his mid-70s. And so now the Miami Heat are very locked in to this team. And you basically got Bam, Butler, and Lowry for the next three years all making you know that's basically your cap right there now the heat can always find ways to do some other stuff and, and they have the great gyrations and guys want to play there and, and all that but man i mean this this is uh quite a bet and quite a bet i would say on this season in particular and they also acquired pj tucker which was a coup for them one plus one uh two years 15 million on that and that fills that stretch four spot that they still desperately needed right like point guard wasn't even their biggest need quote-unquote in free agency and so what does this starting lineup here look like now for the miami heat Uh, what are some of the strengths and weaknesses you see well so uh, that ties in with the other big signing for the heat that we haven't mentioned and part of why they're button real close to the hard cap here as they fill out their roster and that's duncan robinson duncan robinson a pending restricted free agent signed a agreed to terms with miami for five years 90 million statmuse said it was the largest contract ever for an undrafted player i believe that's correct i don't have i don't have the encyclopedic memory to know that for sure um robinson's fifth year might not be fully guaranteed we'll get all those details over the next few days also reported to have an eto on the the fifth year yes that is true. And so Robinson, you know, that's that's being paid starter money, presumably to start. So I would say it's going to be Lowry, Butler, Adebayo for sure. And then I would say you're probably going Tucker and then either Robinson or Hero, probably anticipating Robinson as the, as the fifth starter. But those guys are each going to play a ton of minutes. Yeah, and so Lowry and Robinson are really your only shooters now, right? And Tucker basically is just going to stand in the corner and maybe he'll run in for some offensive rebounds. Yeah, his uh, above the break three point shooting that's important in the Miami offense. Like, if he's going to run some handoffs and then be able to step out above the arc, I don't anticipate he's going to do much of a job of that. Tucker has one of the lowest usage rates in the league. Certainly not a signing that I disagree with. I'm a, probably higher on PJ Tucker than just about anyone. Uh, however, that is going to be a limitation for them offensively this year. A team that did, just did not get enough shooting out of that spot last year, a team that struggled offensively. And so, Jimmy Butler can't shoot. Bam can't shoot you have two shooters two very good shooters for their positions but then three very much minus shooters and now they don't really have much to fill things out kendrick nunn is gone basically uh in fact it wouldn't surprise me if his qualifying offer also pulled because if he were to sign his qualifying offer even at 4.7 million that i think would put them over the apron at this point they've got 
16 a little bit less than 16 million there and they've got eight slots eight roster slots two of them taken up by uh max strusa and gabe vincent we assume that they will be uh for the minimum as well and basically anyone else that they bring in for the room and they you know they can get themselves a little more room by doing the wave guys close to the deadline and then bring other guys in or, or not wave guys but trade guys away which will then be waived um using cash they also signed Dwayne Dedman as well to play backup center he did a pretty good job for them last year I think that's a, a fine signing given the resources available there this this team is going especially if they get an injury in that starting five and we'll see whether they can find some other players at this point to come in but they have I guess hero is sort of your combo guard in the backcourt but they don't really have a traditional back backup point guard at this point in time they don't really have a backup four either so they're going to need to really find some good bargains which may be had eventually for the veterans minimum but yeah i mean I, as of right now i would slot the heat behind brooklyn probably still behind milwaukee although let's see and also by the way pj tucker pretty good guy to guard Giannis if you need him to um to kind of and that can kind of free up bam as well pretty good guy to guard kd as we saw as well so i mean i think this team's going to be a defensive monster but i do question their ability to score a, a little bit uh and they need to get some more shooting in um and particularly as as the backup wing position so anything else you want to talk about uh, with the heat here i think that's about all i've got on them well i mean so if the heat it looks like they're going to function as an over-the-cap team that does give them the ability to retain some guys using bird rights but the problem is they're still bit butting up against the hard cap so i mean yeah. they could they're they're probably gonna run that now using using roster spot on victor oladipo you know if you can get him for the minimum and bird rights and, and roll that's that, i think that's totally fine but it is going to be you know then you, you're putting more heat on the rest of your roster spots and everything else so it's, I'm, I'm gonna keep an eye on that and i don't know do you want to get into to me the, the well, well what one more thing here just the stay over the cap versus not stay over the cap for the heat um if they had just they could have created i think you know about 26 million or so in space if they had been able to reach agreements with none and duncan robinson early on reduce their cap holds down to the minimum by pulling the qualifying offer signing lowry so pretty close to what he would have gotten although he and his agent are very concerned about getting the most possible money so maybe maybe that extra three billion over the course of the contract put him over the edge and then though they would not have had the mid-level which pj tucker who has not made a lot of money in his career he probably wanted that compared to the room mid-level which they would have had but uh so they could in theory have retained kendrick Nunn, who they're just going to lose now they could in theory have held on to robinson and gotten lowry but probably wouldn't have had tucker they would have still had precious Achua, though who they had to include as an inducement to toronto to get them to do this trade so i think it was probably better to stay over and to get tucker but man i mean the lack of flexibility is going to be very stark here going forward you know they can't make a trade to take on salary at all they paid tucker basically the most they possibly could and like still be able to fill out the roster with that a little bit under 7.5 million we'll imagine that he's gonna get the maximum possible raises same with lowry because they need to keep these numbers down as much as possible and same thing with duncan robinson as well he's gonna start at about 15.5 million but will rise up to over 20 million over the life of the contract with eight percent annual raises so it'll we'll see i mean they are going to be very thin and you know maybe they'll get guys in the buyout market and who knows they they always seem to do better than you expect them to but it is gonna continue to be a difficult balancing act so let's talk about 
about Toronto's aspect uh, of this quickly here since they were also involved in the sign and trade and and uh, another big transaction that they made as well. Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the Bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. And things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing, like their premium Slub Crew tee, the No BS High Rise Pant, the Slim Roughneck Pant, featured in Giant Magazine, issue two. Every American Giant piece is made in America and designed to last no exceptions, and it provides year-round comfort. So find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use that finger code CAPSPACE at checkout. You remember, we talk about CAPSPACE all the time here on the program. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know you came from us. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. Yeah, so the the Raptors part of this is getting, you know, facilitating gets them Goran Dragic because the op, the, the opt-in and we'll see. My instinct is that Goran Dragic is not going to stay in Toronto for that long, but maybe he could. And I mean, I think there could be potentially teams interested in him on the trade market. There 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 are some logistical challenges there, but also getting Precious Achua, who can be, a, a, you know, a talented player. Who's, I think of him more as a backup now, but certainly has potential and the Raptors have highly regarded player development but on top of that they came to terms remember that was that gary trent jr for norman powell trade and the raptors got trent pending restricted for agent and at the outset of his restricted for agency gtj gets three years 54 million with a third year player option 
Yeah, so clearly the right decision by Trent and his representation at Clutch Sports to not engage on that Josh Richardson four years, $53 million, and said he gets more guaranteed with a player option over three years or rather than four years. So pretty good job there. And this is kind of this is a good piece of work here. I mean, he's getting paid the same amount as some of these other shooting guards in the market, essentially. And now always keep in mind, particularly with these guys, these younger players, there can be a lot of funny money involved we'll get to the funniest of funny money later in terms of the reporting but you know this could end up being two three million dollars a year in incentives and you never know what those are are going to be right now so we'll caution particularly anytime a kind of extension or a restricted free agency contract for a young player uh, and this is also like the first contract the agents are very concerned about the number that gets reported so wouldn't shock me if you end up you know two or three million per season less than this per year in terms of the guaranteed money but the player option is really uh, the huge part for Trent Jr. So he got himself paid like a very high-end starting shooting guard. Uh, good for him at, at his age. And then, well, and I think, for, yeah, I, go ahead, sorry. I think something else we could talk about with the Raptors is that we wondered, and Masai Ujiri still has the latitude to make wholesale changes, but typically when those sorts of deals happen, like let's say they were trading Fred Van Vliet or Pascal Siakam, especially if they weren't taking back as much salary in turn, typically those happen either the draft or early in free agency because that's when potential trade partners are the most flexible. It is not the only time to make those deals, but as we made it through August 2nd and none of the other Raptors changed city, that to me made it more likely that the team is going to stay more solid that doesn't guarantee it but it's something I, I thought was worth mentioning no absolutely and the reps had they not done this Lowry sign in trade they could have functioned as a team under the cap with the in the 16 million dollar range maybe a little bit more than that if they if they'd done a few things and that assumes they wanted to hold on to Chris Boucher regardless but instead they traded for Dragic but they also got Precious Achua who I actually really like in this rap system and they don't have a great option at center he might even start for them at center next year we'll see they still have the mid-level available they still have the BAE available as well if if they want to bring in a another center potentially or they could move on from Dragic and open up some space but it seemed also for the Raptors the opportunity cost of not having cap space was not huge uh because you know Jared Allen re-signed on a massive deal that they probably wouldn't have wanted to pay with Cleveland and there wasn't really another player maybe Rashawn Holmes would have been the guy but if I would probably rather have a Chua than Holmes not maybe next year but for a team that's not necessarily competing next year I would rather take a Chua so I think that was pretty good now you can go back to what the offers were at the trade deadline it sounds like for example the lakers offer didn't even include Taylor horton tucker and i don't know if it even included any draft picks and i would probably value a chua more than what would have ended up being like the number 22 lakers pick i've really liked what i've seen from him maybe the other people feel differently so i think the reps probably did okay here we, again we just don't know what the offers were at the deadline but they got something like it wasn't it wasn't in the end an insane decision to just hold on to kyle lowry like they managed and i think they had a pretty good idea that miami was coming for him in sign and trade talks because they probably got pretty far down that road with miami at the deadline as well so i think uh, toronto ultimately did pretty well here and we'll see on trent jr like that's he's a good player i like him he's probably got some room to grow but it's also a a pretty penny uh, for Gary Trent Jr. And we'll see what happens with Dragic as well with some other teams who lose out on point guards might be interested in trading for him. And maybe the Raps could get something from those teams by taking back some bad salary or they just
just roll with him and they could well be better next year even if they don't really add much except the stuff around the margins here let's let's stay on the high-end point guard train and well actually no i i want to i i got one more little thing we got to get to here first because to tie up the pj tucker thread okay that's that's, fine that is uh we told you (laughs) we we told you about the Milwaukee bucks and ownership and it does seem like Giannis re-signing you know, I, I bet you uh, if Giannis were a free agent, they might have ponied up a little bit more for P.J. Tucker. And clearly it seemed to have been an issue of money. There was reporting of Tucker potentially returning on a two-year $20 million deal to the Bucks, But uh, oh no, the tax man came calling for Mark Lazary and Wes Eden's wallet. And whether that was ever out there or not, maybe that was something that was put out there by Tucker's representation early on to sort of put the pressure on. But Tucker, on an Instagram post, he thanked the city of Milwaukee, all caps, but not necessarily the Bucks organization. And he it seemed, based on his statements, that he fully intended to return. And your colleague Sam Amick reported basically the same as well, that it was really just the Bucks did not come with anything near Miami's offer due to the tax consideration. Yeah, and considering Milwaukee just won a championship with a minuscule tax bill because Drew Holiday, they won a championship, so that his bonus pushed them over the edge. That's concerning, especially because there's no way for them to replace P.J. Tucker, and he was a vital part, and they will get Dante DiVincenzo back, but Tucker was, was essential for them winning the championship, and it's concerning to see a team this good you know this has come up before and they did win a championship but to see a team this good set it aside for primarily financial reasons and in tucker's case they had full bird rights there this is not a circumstance of we just we did what we could and he just went somewhere else no not only did they have the full capacity but he signed a completely reasonable contract elsewhere and based on what we've kind of seen it seems like he was very open to coming back so it wasn't we did everything we could and he just chose something else you know you could think about okc with kevin durant or some other of those and that that does happen but this is not that case the bucks did retain bobby porter it is a two-year nine million dollar deal with a second year player option that sounds like it's non-bird rights so the bucks retain their taxpayer mid-level exception but who the hell knows if they're going to use it i mean there aren't there aren't even that many great guys to use it on anymore i i think they might but pj tucker is better for them and was more important for them than basically anybody they can reasonably get for the taxpayer mid-level no i i agree with that and you know some people are like oh well it would have been a bad contract you know it would have been foolish to go more than that okay but you have no way to replace him right like they're you're not gonna you, get you have to sign some foolish contracts if you're a championship level team like the amount of teams that are in rack contention who who just don't have any bad things on their books it's basically a perfect storm it has happened but it's extremely rare and that's the consequence of being a champion of being a championship caliber team yeah and you know if they bring in you know if they bring in danny green for like the taxpayer mid-level or something like okay then maybe but i, I mean in theory hey you you could have used the taxpayer mid-level and paid pj tucker you just won the championship right but nope well and, and then under if contract things, now and he's happy guess we don't have to try anymore well and if things had gotten really hairy then maybe you make a move during the season the, the luxury tax doesn't get calculated until the end so maybe you find a home for pat Connaughton or you you know clear do some of the maury-esque shenanigans and i don't mean that in a negative way for daryl but like you know signing some guys to minimums and then trading them and signing cheaper signing cheaper players and offloading it. you know there there are a bunch of little tricks to save five to ten million in luxury tax payments and I'm, I'm sure the bucks could have done that they wouldn't have sacrificed much in the way of team quality there and portis i mean four and a half million per year that's 
not a ton. You know, I, I, I could have seen Portis getting more using the shine of his part in the in the Bucks championship to get a longer deal, you know, more years or or more dollars. And he'll help the Bucks, to be sure. But there's a hole now in their rotation above Bobby Portis that they're going to have to fill, and it's going to be extremely hard for them to do it. Yeah, and they probably could have brought Tucker back and had a bill that was maybe $15 million into the tax. And, yep, yeah, you know, they probably would have had to pay $30 million, $40 million or so in, in tax. But that's what a real championship organization does uh, when you're at that level. Uh, although, you know, we may see some other non-championship uh, or some championship organizations that didn't pay up that much either we'll talk about that and kind of see where that goes but yeah i really am disappointed uh, although not surprised uh, i should say and then for portis they gave him the most that they could using non-bird rights which is 120 percent of what he made last year on the bae it's a one plus one for him uh for two years nine million so he'll have early bird rights next year but uh I don't know how much you're getting paid with that uh, by this organization, uh, Bobby Portis, especially with Pat Connaughton also able to opt out next year. But they were able to keep him around, and that's a, a fine contract. And we'll just see whether, you know, and if they use the taxpayer mid level and they get a decent player, then you know, I will retract some of this criticism and also if they don't sign the 54th and 60th picks to full nba contracts i will also uh, maybe change my tune uh, and or if they and something i expect them to do potentially find homes for some of their guys that got multi-year contracts last year just because if you get other players you know you could cycle through it a little bit that's going to be interesting also the bucks sign the brick shit house semi ojale one year yeah. deal i'm assuming it's one year as a minimum I, I mean, I'm totally on board with that. I love Ojale. Yeah, and he's obviously your Tucker replacement. He might even be able to shoot it a little bit better than Tucker, but uh, despite having similar physical dimensions, I don't, he's not the same level of intelligence and want and veteran know-how uh, as P.J. Tucker. And again, I, I will say, like, P.J. Tucker, contract could have been bad. He might have run out of gas this year. Who knows? But he's a really good player who just won you a championship, and that's just the chance that you should be taking if you are a championship organization. So yeah, where did you want to go to next now here uh, that we have completed with the Bucks? The team that the Bucks vanquished in the NBA Finals, the Phoenix Suns. And when Chris Paul opted out, you know, this was something that we dealt with in the mock-off season, their off-season preview and everything else that, you know, we, we wondered about what Chris Paul was going to be looking for and what the, what the terms are going to be because there was, you know, we had, we had heard about three years, 100 million, three years, 90, you know, something in that range where he's making, he's making less money per, you know, less money this year, but then maybe he's challenging the the sons to spend it well chris paul got a different deal than i anticipated because it's a four year up to up to is important up to 120 million dollar contract and so that means we don't know the exact structure of it in terms of like starting price and everything else like that it is cheaper this year for the sons but it's gonna run a long time until chris paul's 40 yeah now the up to uh, that that's the new uh, uh agent speak through the reporter's phrase du jour up to which uh boy they stretch certain uh agents stretch that one within an inch of its life but there's got to be a non-guarantee on the end of this i i would be pretty surprised if there weren't given that language um so there or a team option or something like that and it's kind of right in the range of the other players here but we don't know that yet for sure maybe i'll, I'll end up being wrong on that and yeah if they re-sign deandre ayton and they re-sign mikhail bridges they will definitely be a tax team next year they will not be this year and so we'll talk about that i think you know this is we'll see still you know whether another 
habitual luxury tax shirker robert sarver actually ends up paying up when the time comes and there are ways they can get off of some money with like jay crotter or dario sharich next year for example so they're not necessarily stuck in it yet also depends on the structure of this if i were them i would start paul high and try to decline it over the course of the contract or perhaps a, a paul trade could be a bobby you never you never know with, with these guys until they actually pay it but they did get Cameron Payne back, and I, that, I thought, was a, a very nice deal for this. Yeah, three years, $19 million, and when you consider some of the kind of backup point guard money, I think that's eminently reasonable for Payne and having a you know get a, getting that depth for a reasonable price for a number of years i think that's a good piece of business and then to me in some ways the the most surprising part of the suns thing was that we wondered you know the player agent player chris paul in the mock-off season put a lot of pressure on the suns to maximize their other spending capacity and there, there's still questions in terms of abdel nader and a few other few other questions but they used a significant portion of their mid-level exception on javel mcgee and mcgee shores up what was a weakness you know showed up in the nba finals when dario Saric tore his acl and it's it's interesting because i think there's there's merit to it because the sun's front court their their forward rotation is pretty loaded when they're healthy i mean you have crowder and you have mikhail bridges and cam johnson and those guys are gonna get the lion's share of the minutes and so mcgee is he's a center only guy and ayton's a center only guy but so but so i think that part of it you know it's it's depth at a place that you need depth but is javel mcgee for a team that has a center that they're going to play a lot of minutes is javel mcgee for the mid-level the correct use of resources yeah man it is crazy to think that i've been working with helix sleep since 2015 and i think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners if you've never heard it before that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom and there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one size fits all they found the one formula the one mattress that was going to work for everyone my then girlfriend now wife and i ordered that mattress we ended up having to return it because hey guess what not everyone is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique matches every sleeps differently and helix matches are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep I'm like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier room slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us 
Yeah, well, they still have some left as well. And it could well be that he was the only guy that was willing to come for one year. And that was probably their biggest need. Now, you know, JaVale McGee is not someone that I particularly trust as a playoff defensive player. But he is probably, I would say, the best offensive pick and roll center on the market. And that's an important thing so that the Suns can kind of keep playing the same way, still throw some lobs, still uh, get some passes underneath for JaVale to finish. He's not going to do some of the stupid shit that he was doing in Cleveland with the Chris Paul and company around playing on an actual real team again. And he does protect the rim pretty well. I think he's matured as a defensive player. So I, I don't mind this too much. Yes, I would have liked for them to try to use a longer contract to go. I mean, if you think of some of the other guys who got, you know, three years at the mid-level, essentially like Bullock or Alec Burks, for example. Uh, The other problem, though, is they have a fair amount of depth on the perimeter. And so now they didn't really have playing time to right. offer these guys even if they had the same money to offer them and so you know this is okay like i don't uh, there wasn't a center out there that they realistically could have obtained that i probably would have rather had for them than javel you know I, I think that's that's fair to say like he uh, amazingly enough is probably the best particularly how they want to play offensively he's probably the best combination of offense and rim protection that was out there which is again pretty insane to say now should they have maybe gone the rod of like a paul Millsap instead like we did in the mock off season and continue to go small on the second unit and said they decided that they didn't necessarily want to do that which uh, i understand we'll see what ends up happening with the someone like Millsap. but the suns did what they needed to do and quickly back to pain just less than i thought that he would get i think he was a guy at only 26 I thought he had the upside to really maybe even play at the level of a, a starting point guard. Not a great starting point guard, not an all-star, but someone who gives you some offensive chops, can shoot, can attack off the pick and roll. Not a great passer, kind of more of a scoring like, point guard. We've talked about the the margin between campaign and Dennis Schroeder being narrower than I think some right. think. And I think that's, that's, that's a one way of thinking about it. And even though we'll talk about Schroeder's market in a bit, campaign got a whole lot less than that. And there, there are times that players who like get the minimum, it's hard. To, it's hard to get that kind of sink off you if you've done that, especially if it was a non yeah. like Blake Griffin related one where it's like, oh, you're you you're getting that from somewhere else. And so with Payne, his travails, you know, being in and out of the league, getting back in, sometimes that lingers a little bit, but he was very good during their playoff run. And he was very good in the bubble too. Yeah, but the Suns, they did at least the bare minimum that they needed to do. Like they couldn't lose pain i felt like and they got him back at a pretty good price that they have to be happy with i I was worried that the shamit deal might mean that they were going to lose pain and instead no they they did well to retain him at at a good deal where you want to go next here let's stay on the point guard front and another high-end veteran in his 30s that was was on the market is mike conley and conley agreed to a three-year deal with the jazz shamstranier reported at 68 million woad 72 and a half this gets into that you know agent stuff we'll see where the actual number is and that you know what it ends up being in terms of bonuses actually has a huge impact on utah's tax situation but even if it's 72 and a half this is a very good number for the utah jazz this is a you know it's it's a sizable tax bill but it is a reasonable one and they're a damn good team and i thought conley warranted more than roughly 23 million a season 
Yeah, the one thing you could point to is just that he hasn't been as healthy as Paul and Lowry have been the last couple of years. And I think that's something that may have hurt his market a little bit. And But, you know, this is still more than you would have expected Mike Conley to get in terms of guaranteed money coming into last season. And he had a very nice year, finally made it an all-star team as an injury replacement. And so, yeah, this going out three years to his age 36 season, that's that's a long time and they may end up eating that last year but this is another team i mean they had the best record in basketball last year they're the best regular season team in basketball you actually have to show the commitment there they did move on from Derek favors at not a not unreasonable price but they're gonna have they're gonna be paying the bill that the milwaukee bucks look like they may not be paying where they're with only 10 players under contract they are already eight million into the tax and they'll have a payment now that payment again may be reduced a little bit next year if bri is less than what is it expected to be but it sounds like we're going to be back to normal so i wouldn't expect huge tax reduction savings next year it all just depends on on how much money the league makes essentially and then also tony jones reporting that george yang is unlikely to return to utah and i think that's fine if he has an offer above the minimum that they probably just need to go in another direction try to get some more athleticism the jazz do have the mini mid-level available still although the pickings for even that when you're in the tax are starting to get pretty slim and you know even if if i owned the team i would there are not that many players left on the board right now that i would be interested in paying the mini mid-level plus associated tax bills for particularly if that has to be more than a one-year contract yeah, I think that's totally fair. And a lot of the players that I would consider it should have stronger offers than that. So, you know, right. it's the the synchronicity will be a real challenge. Yeah. Or or just aren't like a great fit for the Jazz. Like Patty Mills, sure. for example, you know, they, they got two small guards already. He doesn't really help them the way he does some other teams. So, but good job by Utah getting the main guy back. And they still have needs at backup four and probably backup five. And obviously they'd love to get more athletic on the perimeter. It's just a question of whether uh, that happens or not. Uh, they also made qualifying offers to their two-way guys, Real Brantley and Trent Forrest. Although that's not, it's for an actual NBA contract in terms of Brantley, but it's only 84000 guaranteed uh, if he takes it. Uh, those qualifying offers for the two-way guys uh, are not very high. Especially, particularly, it's only another two-way if you've only been under contract for one year let's continue on the point guard carousel here with the first reported deal of the entire free agency period yeah and that was lonzo ball joining the chicago bulls it's a four-year 85 million dollar deal and per mike scotto it is a fourth year player option which is big for lonzo to get that to get that extra power in the process and for the bulls it's being structured as a sign and trade technically a double sign and trade where they are sending tomas sadaransky who's con- they fully guaranteed his contract today garrett temple who they had to who signed to a three-year 15 million dollar deal 10 million of that is guaranteed so that's more guaranteed than it had to be you know this is it's this circumstance where it has to be three years and only the first year has to be guaranteed but garrett temple at five million dollars a year it's a reasonable contract and so the Bulls are able to do it that way. And that should be enough matching salary to go back that that, that enables the Bulls to be a little bit flexible here. But I think they're still going to function as an over-the-cap team, especially given some of their other moves. But let's talk about the Lonzo part of this equation first. Yeah, well, for, I mean, the Bulls, this is a good price to be able to stay over the cap, get Lonzo, not have to pay off the Pels with very much to not match. And it, again, for, for right or for wrong, David Griffin just seemed 
completely uninterested in bringing Lonzo back at anything remotely equal to a a market rate you could also maybe say that Griffin should have been more aggressive moving Lonzo at the deadline but who knows whether there was a first round pick out there supposedly they're engaged with the Bulls then but then the Bulls went for use their picks on Vucevic which I didn't care for that deal but the Bulls weren't going anywhere 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 last year anyhow and so to hold on to their picks just being able to get Lonzo for this piddling price in the offseason is better but this deal for Lonzo given some of the other point guard deals out there and obviously we'll compare it to what New Orleans decided to do in a second you know it's not bad I think he he's a guy who I don't see that much more growth for him like I don't see him becoming a movement shooter I don't really see him getting significantly better in pick and roll like maybe he'll run it a little bit but you're not going to call that play for him very often and the Bulls have other scores obviously as well he is a solid backcourt defender the Bulls desperately needed that as we will also talk about further in a second but not necessarily a one-on-one stopper the Bulls are still kind of missing that unless they believe that Patrick Williams is that guy who they and they now basically have him at the three so this is if you're a big Lonzo believer this is good value for him and good for Lonzo to get the three plus one as well another guy it doesn't sound like they really had particularly extensive extension negotiations last year new orleans but clutch sports again made the right call and not taking it they got more and lonzo is a pretty good fit i think next to zach levine and vucevic for some of the reasons that we talked about it's a good cutter he'll get them to play in transition so i I, we'll see you know this is for new orleans i was kind of like well you know you've got zion like don't you have higher aspirations where are you going with lonzo at 20 million a year as your third best player but the bulls clearly don't have higher aspirations because they wouldn't have made the vucevic trade it so within the plan of what they are trying to do this is probably about as good as they could have done would you agree with me on that Lonzo's young enough that i think that you know there's potential that he can be more than he's been so far my concern with this from chicago's perspective is that in the half court this puts a lot of playmaking pressure on zach levine and maybe patrick like i mean lonzo can can, and this is another weird thing about this deal is like lonzo ball can key it in transition and you don't need all five guys to run but vooch is not going to be you know pushing that you're gonna need patrick williams the Bulls still don't have, I don't. I wouldn't say they have a clear-cut, like, three. I, I think a Pat Williams is more of a four. They'll probably play him at the three a fair amount this coming year. Lonzo, you know, shooting off the dribble is is, def, is not his forte. He can do the catch-and-shoot. So that means Levine's going to have a lot to do in the half court. And this is not the most defensively versatile group because, yeah, Lonzo can defend either guard position okay but Zach Levine can't and so Levine's not going to be you don't want him on the tip of the spear very often and you, there aren't really any other bulls other than their other new addition that you do and so this has all the all the makings of like a low ceiling middle middle floor and they seem to be okay with that as you said before so I'm I'm fine with this I'm not thrilled about it but I'm fine with it but the the in this really stunning signing actually happened a little bit later and that's when Chicago inked Alex Caruso to a four-year $37 million deal. It sounds like this is going to be, you know, that's basically the same amount as the non-taxpayer mid-level. We talked about how it's likely that the Bulls just stay over. The, um, they'll probably just save save enough of it to sign uh, Io DeSunmo, their number sure. 38th overall pick out of, out of Illinois, to a longer than two-year contract. Exactly. And so Caruso adds, he adds another wrinkle to the Chicago guard rotation because he's 
better off ball than on ball, clearly so, and is a is a aggressive, talented defender. And so a key part of the Lakers' defensive success, not the most essential part, but an important part. And $37 million over four years is a significant contract. But for the Bulls, it's it's a piece of your rotation. It would the opportunity cost. I mean, they could have theoretically gotten somebody else with mid-level exception money, but the amount of people that were available for that that are, you know, would have been a key part of the rotation. I would have loved, you know, I still would have liked for them to get more of a three, like maybe somebody like Kelly Oubre. We'll see what kind of price he gets. But there is a clear place for Caruso in the rotation, and that might not be closing every game, but I think I think he'll be a key part of what the Bulls do. Yeah, and Caruso, I like his defensive fit a lot, and you know he kind of does the intense pressure up on the perimeter thing, but he also is one of the best help defenders at the guard position at the league, digging in the league, digging down at the nail, and that's what you need when you've got Nikola Vucevic playing a conventional pick and roll defense. You need a lot of activity from your wing and guards as help defenders so that you can't just get a runway going right at Vucevic because he's not a a good enough rim protector and he's not going to really get out on the floor defensively either so this is something where you're kind of plugging some holes to get these guys as solid off-ball defensive guards and Caruso is pretty good at tracking shooters off the ball as well now Caruso and Lonzo playing together you know there's some matchups probably some nights you might be able to put Levine at the three to close the game and either Williams or Thaddeus Young at the at the four you know this team is still a little light on shooting they're gonna be very reliant on Vucevic working at the elbows and then stepping out beyond the arc in a lot of their sets to have adequate spacing with Young and Williams still not a a remotely high volume guy from three adding Caruso an extremely low volume guy as well but this is this is a decent signing and it will shift to the Lakers next year in a second at 27 he's you know maybe the bloom comes off the rose when he's not in LA for Caruso and late Lakers guys do kind of tend to get overrated, but we haven't seen guys on the Lakers fail to perform once they've left there. Some of these young guys that have been darlings of the fan base at one time or another, like Lonzo Ball, for example. So this is a reasonable sign to me. And, you know, maybe they overpaid by a couple million for Lonzo and a couple million for Caruso, but they had a mandate to get better they got players that they liked and it's not the end of the world if you're doing that especially young guys who can grow with this team a little bit even though Caruso's a little older but he's still he's going to maintain his performance for a while that fourth year could get a little ugly for him so I think this is solid from the polls it's as good as anyone could reasonably have expected and they've stayed over the cap as well another thing that they may be able to do is with Daniel Tice joining the Rockets in a sign and trade via a trade exception perhaps the Bulls could use the trade exception for Tice although they do run into some basier compensation issues there uh maybe they could use that to acquire Caruso I don't think they're gonna be able to do it and pay Caruso his reported amount though so that that could be a little bit of a a, a problem but there it would have been nice if they could have brought Caruso into that trade exception and then via sign and trade and then also still had their mid-level to use but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case as of ah the sweet sound of sports you love from sling the collide of football pads the squeak of shoes on a basketball court the crack of the bat on a home run the slice of skates cutting across the ice but what about this one that's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling.
now and we get, let's talk about Tice quickly going to the Houston Rockets. Well, no, let's let's talk first. Let's talk let's talk about the other part of the Caruso deal to just put a bow in that. Oh, and that's something. Well, that's why it's so shocking. Is oh, because oh, the the Lakers. Yeah, I, because, I was going to get back to that. Sorry. Yeah, I think it, I think it's easier to just finish that thread. And Caruso, sort of like what we talked about with PJ Tucker, the Lakers had the full capacity to resign him using Burbank. They they could have they could have equaled this offer. And again, we can lean on my colleague Sam Amick's reporting that it seems like the Lakers were totally uninterested. And that could be because they think Alex Crusoe isn't worth this or they, you know, whatever, whatever the case, it might be because they don't want to spend it. But it is a bizarre, if not like disappointing and infuriating for your Lakers fan use of resources because presumably they're letting Alex Crusoe go for nothing. And yeah, I mean, this is a little bit rich for him, but now that's a salary slot that you can't replace. And it's a player that it's very difficult for you to replace. And so if the idea was to be the best possible version of the Lakers, it doesn't matter that Caruso, you have Russell Westbrook and his role was going to change. You also lost Contavious Caldwell Pope earlier in the Russell Westbrook trade. And they basically just let talent walk out the door without a clear reason here. Yeah, this wasn't an insane contract for Caruso. Maybe a little bit more than you want to pay. And let's also remember they still have the free agency of Taylor Horton Tucker, who they seem extremely high on given their unwillingness to include him in a potential trade for Lowry at the trade deadline and now there could be a big offer sheet still coming for him I mean I guess it's really only OKC or San Antonio that really could do that but if they had brought back Caruso for this contract and you'd have to imagine that he would have wanted to stay in LA I mean it's LA you're on a championship team like he's he's a big celebrity there but if, if they had given Caruso this contract let's say 10 million a year for Taylor Horton Tucker and that gets you to 10 players on under contract you're already 20 million into the tax so now you're another you're 27 million into the tax that's basically like brooklyn slash golden state territory and hey the la lakers despite the fact they didn't get the ppp loan have just been pocketing time warner's money for years and years and years while having below average payroll they haven't been in the tax basically since the 2011 collective bargaining agreement changes kicked in a couple years later for this more restrictive tax so but the pandemic hurt them, I guess. They still had to pay into revenue sharing some. Like there's this is not a group, like we said, that I think is gonna go to that level. And now you can certainly criticize that. I would criticize it if I were one LeBron James. Also, just having like a mid-tier salary, right? Like I mean, the only it's really hard to do another trade at some point when you have Taylor Horton Tucker making 10 million and then everybody else making like the minimum or less, right? And if the Lakers were to use the mini mid level and get a real player, like I said with the Bucks, I think my criticism on this would be muted. And also, you know, they're going to go $10 million in the tax, right? They're, they are at minimum, they're probably 15, depending on what Horton Tucker gets. Uh, the, uh, if he gets 10 million, then they're 15 million in the tax. You know, that's a more, and also I don't think Alex Crusoe is as critical to the Lakers as what pj tucker was the bucks and the lakers Agreed. also have the ability to fill out more at minimums and we can talk about that a, a little bit now which i think they did well they did and we don't have it definitively that all of the lakers signings were for the minimum though that is fully my expectation and those are los angeles products trevor reza former two-time former laker dwight howard former laker kent Bazemore, i believe former laker wayne ellington 
Oh, yeah. And and so that that's a really I mean that's an impressive group of players for the minimum. You have guys that can be credible rotation players in the regular season, and many of them have had playoff success. Now this is not the best iteration of Trevor Reza or Dwight Howard or Kent Bazemore, but they're still capable players. And for the minimum, very good signings. Yeah, Reza in particular, I think is someone who I you thought maybe you would have had a, a more of a market elsewhere, but probably wanted to be back in LA at this point in his career he's he's spent the last really three years just chasing dollar signs although he ended up uh, on a good team last year anyway but he signed with phoenix for 15 million and then he had his contract guaranteed for 12 million last year going from sacramento to houston and then ending up uh, in okc and then now i'm gonna play it all last year so he's that seems to help him have something left here and ellington one of the best shooters on the market certainly for one who would be available at the noon we've basically never seen him in the playoffs so you might see him get attacked but the lakers have a lot of size behind him they're not necessarily going to be switching defensively like he could probably be hidden on the worst guy we'll see maybe he'll fall out of the rotation a little bit in the playoffs howard gives them just a solid backup center option as well you know, he, he might give them more than any of their centers gave them last year frankly i thought he did two years ago but obviously it's now a couple years after that he's 36 but he keeps himself in pretty good shape and then Bazemore is another guy who's a, a proven to be a solid enough rotational wing you wish that the Ariza were a little bit better shooter than he is I'd say Ariza is probably the most likely of these guys to close and when Ariza is your second best shooter in a lineup that's not unbelievable but they've added a lot of of defense here and again with the resources available so far I I think this is better than you could reasonably have expected yeah and so we'll see where the Lakers go they still have their taxpayer mid-level and the match rights on Taylor Horn Tucker we'll see how those two things go but now let's go back and tie up the thread that I severed earlier and that's with (laughs) Daniel Tice and Tice for the second year in a row so weird Rafael Stone and the Houston Rockets got a value that I really like on a center which generally doesn't happen Tice did get more money than I anticipated four years 36 million and as you mentioned the way this is going to happen we already have the color on this part of it I believe that was from from Tim McMahon that the Rockets are bringing Tice in via sign and trade into the Victor Oladipo trade exception which allows the Rockets to retain the mid-level and I don't know exactly how they're going to use Daniel Tice you know like is he going to start next to Christian Wood is he going to back up Christian Wood are they maybe going to trade Christian Wood or you just kind of get it figured out as it goes how does this tie in with Usman Garuba and and Shangun who you drafted in the in the first round but it's just a totally reasonable contract and I like good players getting reasonable contracts yeah 29 already for Tice and this is one where he's an undersized big could be relying on athleticism now he did flash more shooting in Chicago so that's a a part of his game that maybe could grow over the years but an underrated guy I mean I would imagine he didn't have any offers this high and since there's not an obvious fit and they're kind of a a team that won't be competing anytime soon they probably had to overpay relative to the market but I don't know in terms of his production that they necessarily overpaid and also being able to retain the mid-level although I would be surprised if they use much of it at this point they are about 14 million under the tax and they do have actually 14 players on on the roster assuming they were to waive Kyrie Thomas when you have four first round draft picks that are probably going to be on uh, the roster there's not that much to do so they may be about done here and you know they can also retain the mid-level that I shouldn't say that they're going to get someone in the bio market that's just not going to happen probably for these guys but yeah this is a, a guy who will be probably it would 
surprise me if Tice is on the team as early as even next year, but this is a resource that they had to get a decent player on at least not a horrendous contract which is more than we can say for a lot of these so i I think this is fine for houston and again they're not they're they don't weren't fixing to have any cap space until the summer of 23 anyway with the john wall contract clogging up their books so no harm here uh with tyson i think he can just be a good pick and roll partner maybe even play some four for these guys help their defense a little bit like i I think he could play next to christian wood some and give these young guards a, a decent ecosystem now if he takes all the playing time from Schengen then uh, of course we'll be uh bashing our heads against the wall and then former rocket Kelly Olynyk, we can finish this up quickly joins the Detroit Pistons three years 37 million for him as the Pistons complete their game of musical centers where they traded away Plumley and now have picked up Kelly Olynyk. this basically is going to be it for Detroit's cap space they we thought maybe something sexier was in the works or maybe they would go after Spencer Dinwiddie or something but instead they just made this plumley move to bring in a linic and a linic not a very good defensive player he's not a bad compliment a different type of center than isaiah stewart is you imagine he'll come off the bench maybe he can play next to stewart in some alignments and just gives a nice floor spacing big to allow Cade cunningham and some of these other young guards that they have to go to work it's a lot of money to pay to somebody that is you know a non-premium big and you could classify him i mean i think of him as more of a five than a four and olenic having floor spacing at that spot is nice you pick and pop partner opens up real estate for Cade and for killian hayes and all these other players and we'll see what this third year is like if that's partially guaranteed or non-guaranteed i will feel a lot better about this but i like olenic i like his fit on the pistons a team that isn't necessarily trying to be good right now but we'll see what some of these other players get um i mean i i i think they could have they could have aimed higher and it's it's distinctly you know it's fine but not great and part of the reason we think that the pistons are done is that they also so they waived Corey joseph and then they brought Corey joseph back um both the waiver and the new contract are less than the basically than the money the fully guaranteed contract would have been and that opened up spending power looks like he's getting two years at the room exceptions that's two years roughly 10 million but surprisingly Corey joseph got a second year player option that is uh rather surprising indeed and now some of that's going to be offset by the 2.4 million that he's getting that he was owed already for from getting waived uh at least in the first year and you know joseph has a history with Dwayne casey he's a a good vet they they're getting pretty crowded here at the guard position though although no real established options they did not offer a qualifying offer to dennis smith and so now all eyes really turn to the restricted free agency of hamdu diallo who alinek also a good fit to kind of with in lineups with diallo because diallo is not a great shooter and likes to get on top of the rim another guy who can benefit from his floor spacing it's with the Linux, it seems like they just went a little bit higher than the mid-level that's what they had to do to get him and it's kind of interesting you know Linux basically just got dumped by the heat to get victor oladipo and seemed like he really played well enough in houston to kind of resurrect things uh, for himself and i guess you know shooting at the big position he definitely is the best stretch five on the market although as you mentioned he doesn't really defend but that doesn't for a team where detroit is that doesn't matter as much and seems like another guy who like plumley is not going to end this contract on the detroit Pistons. 
the pistons, the pistons also do technically have about seven million or so in cap space left if they want to use it but uh you know we'll see what diallo ends up getting as well yeah uh, that's true when they fill out the roster they they may just kind of be done here did you mention i didn't hear you mention trey lyles I, for the sake of completeness oh you know what i forgot to add him onto my sheet because we didn't yeah we had two years five million i guess that's maybe that's some more of their cap space it could be it also it also sounds to me like two years at the minimum like that's my my instinct there we'll we'll see sometimes those can get get reported different ways but i wanted to finish up on houston um david nawaba oh yeah i forgot about him too they had early bird rights the the rockets did on him three years 15 million dollars um again we'll see on the last year of that whether it's fully guaranteed but I'm really happy for Nawab after succumbing to so many injuries. He plays really hard. Um, only, you know, he's only played 50 games combined the last two years. Um, and But I, I, th- I thought he contributed some energy to the Rockets. And, you know, the, the, the opportunity cost of it with the early bird rights was relatively low, assuming that Tillman Fertitta is willing to pay it. And then the other thing, and this isn't like a signing, but I think it's interesting from Jonathan Fagan, his expectation is that both Shangun and Usman Gruba are going to play for the Rockets this year um group is of course playing in in for spain in the olympics but why that's significant is we talked about garuba having this gigantic buyout and so if the expectation is that he's going to come over however that's going to get sorted out i thought that was notable to and wanted to share no and that'll be exciting the rockets with with these rookies uh, uh, we like their draft a lot i'm really excited to see what these guys look like and it, it does seem you know much as we have derided uh tillin fertito over the years that rafael stone thinks pretty similar to the way i do i mean uh, I've liked most of their moves really since uh, he ascended to power. So I hope you enjoyed part one of our look at every deal and every team that happened on a crazy day one of free agency. We couldn't include the entire thing on the public pod because it's well over two hours. But of course, Dunked on Prime subscribers can get that. And we are running a special sale right now with total access, including our salary sheets, which we've updated I think five times publicly today. So you're basically getting all the information in real time and our free agent list. You can see who's left. You can see who has space left. That's a big perk of total access. But of course, the biggest is that you get to listen to all of Danny's and my podcasts. And we hope to have you join us there. There's a link to how to get onto that in the show notes, dunkedon.supportingcast.fm. I'm sorry that the economic climate doesn't allow us to do five days a week on the public pod anymore, but we certainly hope that you've enjoyed this enough to consider subscribing if you haven't already. And we hope to see you over there on Dunked on Prime. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.